Open-ended by definition means having no predetermined limit or boundary. This show's purpose is to get you closer to your dreams by sharing practical chats with people living theirs. We also throw in a bit of adventure, success, and well-being for good measure. I'm your host, Scott Bidmead, a journalist and entrepreneur from Australia, and we're in this together. Welcome back to Open Ended. Thank you so much for liking, sharing, subscribing, and really just getting amongst the community. It's been great to see the reception so far for the show and the guests and everyone just getting behind this mission to help inspire people to go after their dreams. It's a privilege to have Nick Gulliver on the show today. He's been a part of a number of successful TV shows. He's heading over to LA soon. And his largest and newest project is The Late Shift, which is a late night variety show showcasing celebrity guests, comedy, music, and entertainment. We talk about his career, what he's learned from meeting A-list celebrities, what it's like to build a career inside the entertainment industry and what we can learn from his story. Also, what it's like to travel all around the world and get paid to drink. How amazing is that? and heaps of good takeaways about backing yourself and investing in your dreams. So welcome to the show. It's uh, amazing Thanks, to have you here. Big man, Thank Nick you. Gulliver. Gulliver's travels, you've been <laughs> all over the place at the moment. Oh, mate, when it's did you get that? Have. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, uh, I've always wanted to have a show called Gulliver's Travels where I uh, travel the country and the world uh, yeah. interviewing people and doing different stuff. So one day, one day. Yeah, definitely. Where, where were you recently? You were over, there was a beach, uh, I saw some beautiful. Recently, where was I? Um, <laughs> it's going to sound so wanky. Um, where was I in the world um, recently? <laughs> where was, oh, I was in the Sundays actually. Yes. Um, yeah, uh, a group of mates of mine, we went for a, pretty much a five-day sail around the Sunday Islands on a, what they call a bear boat, um, sailing boat, and nobody was bare, but um, they basically don't, they don't put anything on the boat. And that's a different kind of TV show. <laughs> yeah, that's a were. different type of TV show, <laughs> exactly. Um, and so yeah, we, we sailed around the Sundays, and it was a lot of fun, man. It's really, like Australia is a, like, I think sometimes you forget how beautiful Australia is until you go to places like Whitehaven Beach, and it's just like, it's incredible, man, up there. And I think yeah, you take your, your backyard for granted as well, like people like us traveling all around the world, and then you don't realize sometimes how beautiful Australia is and, and how important it is to, yeah, to yeah, appreciate what we've got 100%, here. 100%, man. I mean, uh, it's, it's interesting, like you go on that, um, especially Whitehaven Beach, it's like one of the widest sands in the world. And um, I overheard like a tour guide, she's like, oh, the sand from here was used um, in the Hubble telescope, that's how like pure it is and, and you, you kind of get there and you're like oh it's like a giant reflector on your face the whole time <laughs> um but uh yeah no it was it's it's pretty amazing man like you can see why so many people come here from other countries and like your country is amazing you know because we have like you know snow at one end with the uh, you know snowy mountains and you've got the tropics at the other end you've got the desert i mean we've kind of got a lot of things going on so yeah yeah i've got my cousins here from the uk at the moment and they're uh <laughs> backpacking all over the place so they're loving it ah nice man yeah. nice nice so speaking about reflectors uh you've spent a fair <laughs> yeah. bit of time <laughs> reflectors cameras production the whole thing can you talk to us about some of your highlights of your media career so far oh highlights um I think uh, it's it's kind of interesting in Australia with the whole media, I guess, culture in general. Like you, it's different to because I, I spent a little time in the US and, and travelled over there, and 
there's just obviously so many celebrities. And the thing about Oz is that we kind of are limited in, I guess, the kind of big name celebrities come here. So usually it's like a junket or, um, you know, they're doing a red carpet. And that's really kind of, unless you've flown over to the US and you're doing like an interview junket where you're kind of interviewing a whole bunch of people, usually when they come, it's kind of like a, a fairly big star. And I think for me, probably one of the biggest uh, or most interesting interviews was interviewing Kate Blanchett. Um, and this was a few years ago when she uh, was in Cinderella, I think the movie Cinderella or Snow White, no, Cinderella. <laughs> yeah, and um, kind of getting to interview her and and she's such a nice person. Um, you know, we were talking about, you know, she was playing the evil stepmom and she's a mama herself. And I was like, you know, are you able to kind of live out a little bit of that kind of mean mum fantasy <laughs> through being the evil stepmom? And we had a good laugh on the red carpet. And I, I, that was quite a, you know, very interesting interview to have um, with someone like that. And, you know, that's kind of rare in Australia that you get quite, um, you know, big celebrities come through. I mean, it's great that she's a, you know, homegrown celebrity, um, but, you know, that, that for me was was a lot of fun um, as a you know a presenter or an interviewer. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's so many other great stories that um, oh, I, I guess um, a few years ago actually was quite a, a quite a fun event. Um, well, it wasn't really a work thing. I got to go travel with a bunch of mates who are all in the kind of entertainment industry. You know, Ash London, Scott Tweedy, Lincoln Lewis. Um, from former Home and Away star Lincoln Lewis, um, also turned uh, Hollywood actor, um, uh, Dyson from Triple J. And we were kind of all hanging out in Bali um, on this kind of epic Bali trip. And it was kind of interesting because you had all these different kind of media personalities from radio to TV presenting all in this one kind of villa it, you know it uh it kind of was a bit big brotherish <laughs> um but yeah it was a lot of fun actually and then kind of while we we're in bali uh, there was a lot of other i don't know what it was it was just this one time there was just heaps of different um celebrities there so we'd go out and we'd, we'd we'd meet different people i mean even like snoop dogg was there doing a concert at the time and it was just kind of uh, like one of these trips where you're like how's there so many different people in the media kind of celebrity cool. world here in one place <laughs> and spending so much time with people like that do you find any trends or are they similar in a lot of ways or more down to earth than you would expect what's from that inside point of view i i find that the more famous someone is the more down to earth they seem to be i find that the people who are kind of on the lower I don't even like to use the words, but like the lower rung of say celebrityism have got a lot to prove. Um, and I mean, it's similar also, I find that with people's wealth, you know, like people who, you know, they're doing all right and they become really flashy. It's a lot of, you know, like Gucci Prada, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then as they get um, further along in their career or, or their wealth, I think they become a lot more confident in who they mm, are. Like Steve Jobs and rocking the Sneen sort of thing. Yeah, and also just that they're not, they don't have to be as, um, you know, flashy with their money or even flashy with their celebritism. Um, I mean, just recently I saw a photo of um, Bill Gates waiting in a line at a burger joint and he just looked like an average dude just standing there. And I mean, at one time he was the richest man in the world and you just see him, he's in a pair of sneakers, a jean, just kind of arms folded, just waiting in line at a burger joint. And I was like... I love that because they're still people, you know, it, it doesn't change. We're all the same. It's like Keanu exactly. Reeves catching the, catching the subway. There's all these photos of him just chilling, chilling out on the subway. 
yeah, and to work. Yeah, exactly. And that's and that's the thing is, is I think the, the one thing that I've noticed with you know anyone who's been very successful from sports stars to um, to celebrities to people who are really big in the marketplace the higher they get, the more confident they are in themselves and their choices and their ability. Um, and also the lack of their ability as well. Um, you know, uh, you meet some people who are the, what you would say the top of their game and they still have the insecurities, but they understand, okay, I'm good at this type of, um, you know, like let's say it's a presenter, I'm good at this type of interview. Uh, whereas I might not be good in comedy, you know? And so they understand, okay, this is my strength and they understand that that's, you know, maybe their weakness and that's, they're okay with it. They're not trying to be everything to everyone. Um, so yeah, if that would probably be one of the major takeaways that I found just through hanging out with different people of different walks, you know, of life. Um, I got to a few years ago, hang out with um, Red Foo. Um, oh, I love he's it. He's quite, quite a, quite a character. Um, Sexy as you know it. Is that his? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. Former LFMAO. Uh, you know, yes. shout, shout, shout that that guy. And it's interesting because he obviously comes from you know such a history of um, you know with Motown Records and his father and and producing and and all that kind of side of uh, music and Hollywood and what he's been around. And he was a really interesting person because he kind of had this like huge persona as being you know red foo but then when you kind of chat to him he loves coding like he loved computer coding <laughs> and really? like i'm like what yeah and he's recently that's why he's kind of gone off the radar he's got into computer coding like he just loves it and he's just writing all this code and then he he had at the time had developed an app for djing and so he literally would do his dj set so like say like a you know a nightclub like marquee or something would get him in and he'd have this iPad and it would have like his songs on it and he would mix his whole set off his iPad through the Red Foo iPad app that he developed, you know? And I was like, whoa, like so of left field, not thinking that this guy would be like that. And yeah, he was just into something like, you know, computer coding. And I was like, mate, that's awesome. That is cool. And I guess, yeah, they don't have to be what, you know, he might have this persona and image, but he's still got different layers to him. But you just see that the outside perspective and you think that's everything. So I guess it's cool to yeah. get that inside kind of look at that. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And so you've had a few uh, different exciting shows lately, the traveling around the world with uh, to find the world's best bartender, very cool yeah. stuff, MTV, Channel 10. What was, yes. uh, what was that like? Did you find the world's best bartender? That is the question. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> That's you know, the funny thing about that gig is it's one of those gigs you get and uh, you you know um, for for people who you know maybe not in the industry what usually happens is a company or a production company will um, contact your agent or manager and they'll say we're interested in you know your talent or Nick you know in my example Nick to host this show. And so my manager's telling me about it and she's like, okay, so what it is, is it's finding the world's best bartenders. And so you have to go to a whole bunch of um, bars and drinking competitions <laughs> and we're going to fly you across to the Mediterranean. We're going to put you on a, a, a yacht for 10 days and you're going to uh, travel up and down the Mediterranean. You're going to go to Ibiza, Barcelona, um, Monaco. Um, where else did they send me? Saint-Tropez. And you're going to go to some of the best bars in the world. You're going to drink with some of the best people. And they're going to pay you to do it. <laughs> and I'm like, 
okay, I thought I was going to have to pay for this because this is like an epic trip, you know, like what Aussie wouldn't want to go on a fully paid yeah. <laughs> drinking trip um, to some of the best bartenders in the world. And it was a very interesting competition. So it was by a company called Diageo. Um, and if you don't know too much about Diageo, Diageo pretty much owns the top 17 alcohol brands in the world. They, they uh, basically do all their distribution. So that's everyone from like, you know, Ciroc, Johnny Walker, Kettle One Vodka, uh, Tanqueray, um, Gin, um, Don Julio, uh, like so many big brands and Guinness as well. And what was it Guinness? No, no, sorry, not Guinness. Uh, and, and basically they do this competition in every country in the world where they for six months look for the best bartender in that country. So for, for example, Australia, they were looking for the best bartender for six months, having like rounds, competitions, and they have a big final, um, which they held at the Star uh, Casino here in Sydney. And then they found that person. Then they fly each one of those people from around the world. So some from Australia, America, China, all that, to a central location. And for 10 days, they battle it out who to be the best, uh, sorry, who's can be the best bartender. That's cool. And so they, they do like things like, um, you know, mixology through to like, you know, cocktails up, you know, uh, up in the air, throwing around. And, uh, and it's, it was amazing. I mean, I saw things like I, I, cocktails I'd never even seen before, things on fire, stuff made out of perfume, like, and all by, they, they hide out this huge, like, ship, um, and they just packed it. I think they had 10 tons of alcohol on this ship that they um, bumped in. Um, they had 500 guests, and then it was kind of like, if you think about like MasterChef meets cocktails, it was that kind of vibe. And then each day we'd wake up, like we'd, we'd be in Saint-Tropez this day and then the, you'd go to sleep at night and then we'd be in Ibiza. And then they'd put a party on this like skyscraper and it was like a Ciroc party. And it was one of those gigs where you're just like, are you serious? Am I actually here? And every night, flipping heck, like a party every night. And I'm like, I've got to present guys. I can't <laughs> get drunk every night. Like I have to do it. Like, can you imagine like, cause you have to get up at like, you know, 10 in the morning and you have to be camera ready and you have to be on camera and you like, you've had like shots all night because you're hanging out with the like CEO of, of Ciroc and he's just like, this is the best vodka in the world. Try it, try it. Like, yeah. oh, like can't Carl, have any more alcohol. <laughs> Carl Stefanovic after the Logies, classic, classic TV. Exactly. Moment. Do you but think that that's was the a, 10, 10 yeah. days in a row. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do you think that's a hard thing that people in the entertainment industry have to balance? Partying, it, lifestyle hard. with working and actually yeah. getting the work done? Because there is a lot of work that goes into production and, you know, journalism, all this kind of stuff. So it's totally, not, as, totally. it's not always the polished finished product. Yeah, exactly. That and that's, that's the whole thing is, is that there's for every kind of hour of television, there's weeks and even sometimes months of prep that has to go in um, to that hour long show. You know, like if you're doing a travel show, I mean, there's so many like, you know, there's they've got to shoot all the what they call B-roll, which is basically all the cutaway shots that when you're doing like a voiceover, you know, like here we are at this beautiful hotel and blah, there's someone's got to go shoot that. Then there's someone who has to write the, the what they call VO or voiceover. And so there's that prep. And then there's the producer who's trying to pull it together and put a story around whatever it is. I mean, I'm talking about the, tra the travel genre, but then when it comes to an interview, you've actually got to find out about the person you're interviewing. It's like, as much as you're going in and you're asking questions, there's got to be some research that's done about the person that you're interviewing. And so there's all this prep work that goes into it. And so that's like, obviously, your nine to five work, but then there's the the glamour of being in front of camera and, and interviewing all these great people. And then you like, 
for, for example, that trip, it's like, oh, the day's done and everyone's like, let's go party. And you're thinking tomorrow, like, unlike an office job or something where you can maybe go in with shades on and your head down and just sit behind your computer, you've got to be bright and peppy and your eyes are going to be white and, you know, you've got to be this person that's on for the camera and you're like, you're dusty. And um, But to kind of go back to your question about the kind of party lifestyle, I guess it's it's an interesting industry because there is that such highs of that, you know, your, um, I mean, for me, I wouldn't say I'm a big celebrity by any means, but like when you hang out with a lot of the bigger celebrities, you know, usually they have done all their work. Like, so they've done their movie. Now they're in their, what they call their promo tour. <laughs> and they're just went to party and you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> but I mean, it's, it is an interesting culture within the industry. I think it's, I mean, that comes down to also the mindset of what we were talking about earlier is when you're in that kind of fame uh, like area, how do you deal with that? Um, and a lot of people, I guess, you know, they can handle it. They can't handle it, you know, because you lose your privacy. You lose um, that time. Like, you know, most people, they finish their job, they go home, they escape. Whereas with celebrities and people who are in the, what I would call media spotlight, is this, this constant kind of almost like, magnifying glass on them and on their life and especially if there's someone who's got an interesting life and they're like dating this person or dating that person and all of a sudden it becomes this whole your life is not your life it's what the magazines show your life to be you know and so then you see these people like i've seen and i'm not going to mention any names but i've seen friends who have just had like ridiculous stories written about them in like new idea woman's day and all those kind of gossy magazines wherever you are in the world and it's like absolute crap it's like this person is getting pregnant with this person and they're like that's my friend and actually my friend's gay <laughs> so i wouldn't be having <laughs> i wouldn't be having a baby with them you know that's but a, the, the media, yeah, very media runs it like yeah yeah the media runs it like that's a new baby daddy you know and uh and, and then that then I see that they get affected by that stuff. And it's easy, like, I think it's easy for sometimes for people to be like, oh, well, celebrities should just get over it. It's part of the life. But it's it also is like, you got to remember that to them, it's not the celebrity life, it's their job. And it'd be like if you were going, like, say you worked with, you know, Combank and you worked in finance and you were going to work and then there was magazines running everything about your um, your personal life. You're like, I'm just, I just work at Combank, you know? And I, I it's it's... It's a hard one because you did get into the celebrity industry and I, and I get that. I mean, uh, who wrote that song? Um, Good Charlotte, you know, Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous, always complaining. But it is an interesting thing to see from, uh, you know, like I haven't had to experience. I mean, I've experienced a little bit, but I mean, I see a lot of my friends who experience mm. in a big way. And it, it is a hard and a very taxing part of their life. And I, and I can see why then they want to party hard and, and sometimes get into illicit substances and all that because it's escapism. It's like, yeah. this is how I'm going to escape from a bit and of I my reality. I think that's the thing to, to realize and take away is the fact that as good as that looks and as good as what you see online and social media looks, everyone still is struggling with their own kind of things in their own way. And every new environment and job and situation has its own level of nude issues and things to overcome. Yeah, so, 100%. Yeah. It's a I mean, good thing to and, that's, and that's the thing is, is that every every celebrity has or and like and I hate using the word celebrity, you know, like person who's I guess in the media spotlight um, has their nine to five. Like um, like when you go work on any show and it's with a network, like you go in and you sit in front of your computer, you write your stories, you work with producers, you're in an office environment. It's just then okay, 
three hours out of that week, you're in front of a camera as well. So you still have that normality, um, you know, when you're working on a television show. If you're on a film set, you've got all film crew, you're, you're, you're having to get in a character. And I mean, it's a bit of escapism there because you can kind of be in that world. If you know you're in a spaceship, then that's your world for the next three months while you shoot it. But it's still a job. Like people are still working and interacting with people. It's not like they just rock up on set, say their lines and they're like, oh, I'm famous and then <laughs> run away. They've got to interact with everyone and they've got to have dialect coaches and work with their acting coaches, the same deal with the director and all that kind of stuff. So it's very much work environment when you're in these, in these areas. And uh, speaking about people in the media spotlight, I am very excited to, to talk a little bit about The Late Shift, which is your new... Uh, uh, late Night show. show. Yeah, Late Night Show. It is absolutely killing it. I'm loving the stuff you're putting out and obviously you've got some really Thank high you. profile guests. Can you talk us Thank through how, how did that come about? And Because it's such a big thing that you've taken on and you it's just been so yeah. cool to see it come to life. And, and obviously you had that vision for a long time. How did that come about? Well, that, yeah, <laughs> that's an interesting. It's, a, it's actually a very like personal project for me. Um, I had been doing, to give a little bit of backstory for people who know nothing about me and where I came from, uh, originally I'm from Queensland, um, I'm from the Gold Coast, I moved down to Sydney to pursue acting and I wanted to be on Home and Away, which is a, um, you know, like it's a drama show here in Australia and it gets played in the UK and it's very much beach culture and all that kind of stuff. So my big thing was to want to be an actor and so I came and moved down to be on Home and Away and I actually got into a couple of episodes, so I, I did oh. it right, but then I realized <laughs> The more I got into acting, I, like I love acting and I, and I love playing a character, but I also enjoyed just being myself and chatting to people and all that kind of stuff. So I kind of, well, this may be about 10 years, 10 years ago, kind of got into presenting and I started doing a bunch of different presenting um, on uh, Network 10, um, which is a network here in Australia. And uh, I worked on a morning show um, called Breakfast, which is similar to, I guess, the Today Show in the US or... Um, other morning shows around the world and I was their technology pop culture guy and so I would like show the newest tech and gadgets and I was like doing all this kind of fun stuff I was having like yeah, some very interesting segments that I got to uh, be a part of and then I did that for a while and then I moved on to other presenting and TV and all that kind of stuff which we spoke about a little bit earlier and then that, the best show in the world I'll call it the alcohol show um, and then it kind of once that kind of happened it went a bit dry for a bit and the, the one thing about Australia is there's is we don't obviously have the population that other countries have and so there's not as many new shows getting made um as i guess you would say in the states or even the uk so there's very limited in the presenting work that you can get and also the type of shows um that you can get onto australian television and so originally i wanted to make this kind of like uh, it was more like a, a music show but with interviews and maybe some like comedy or whatever and i met with a producer mate of mine who is, is quite a quite a high producer, you know, high from producing here in Australia. He'd worked on 60 Minutes and a few kind of more drama-based shows. Really like gun guy, like whatever he touches turns to gold type of guy. And he actually took some time, sat down with me and was like, this, this needs to be a night show. And I was like, and as he kind of spoke to me more about it, I was like, yeah, I think this, you know, cause we hadn't had any late night television since a show went off air in about 2009 called um, Rove. And that was kind of, I guess, equivalent to your Tonight Shows and all that. It was massive here in Australia. And um, basically, I was like, okay, well, let's do this. And so we started putting the show together. 
And I started pitching it around and I was like, one thing I realized very quickly was I'm gonna, I need to shoot a pilot because it's one thing to have an idea on paper and be like, you know, give me a hundred thousand dollars and we'll go make an episode. Um, I was like, well, I need to go produce this. And so at the time I had some backers on board who were willing to put in money. And then about two weeks before, so I started, we started organizing, we started pulling it all together, um, started, you know, cause I, I have a production company as well. So I kind of had some background in this area. So we started to pull this together and it was going to be small at first and I, and, but then it evolved into <laughs> what it is now, a bigger thing. And the backers pulled out two weeks beforehand and oh, the wow. pilot was, yeah, the pilot was going to cost me 50 K and I'd already booked in, um, like camera crew, um, celebrity guests, the audience was there, the venue, like, and I'm like, what do I do? And I just was like, do I cancel or do I just bite the bullet and pay for it out of my own pocket? And, just and the at the time, to be honest, at the time, I, like 50K, as much as it sounds, it was a lot of money for me. Like uh, four years to that, prior to that, I was on about $48,000 a year. <laughs> like, you know, when I, before I got into entertainment. And so it was still a lot of money. Like, and I was, I came from not earning much money because I was, you know, trainee and all that kind of stuff and i was it was doing all right at the time but it was a lot of money <laughs> you know that's a big um, stint, yeah yeah it was a big it was a big um a big hit for me and i was like i believe in this project and this is the thing sometimes you get to those points in your life you're like am i willing to take a risk am i willing to back myself and i was like let's just do it and so i i i <laughs> decided to do it and we went and shot the pilot and it was brilliant. It went off really well. We had like, so we put an ad out on Facebook and on a couple of websites and we had a line down the street coming to want to watch the show. We had to actually turn people away. We sold out, not that we were selling tickets, but we had a certain amount of tickets that we think we couldn't let people in. We packed everyone in. I got a bunch of my um, mates who work in the industry to come on the couch. It's comedy skits. We shot the thing. It turned out brilliant. Um, and I was like, awesome. This show is going to get greenlit. It's going to be amazing. Like the networks are going to love it. I'm set. So then we cut it all together, put it all together. And then we start pitching it to the different networks. So we go to, so, that, so for people who are listening to this podcast outside of Australia, there's about four major networks. There's, um, which are free to air, uh, here. And so I started pitching it to each one of the networks. And the one thing they all said was like, we love it, we love you, but we're risk averse and we're not willing to take a risk on a show like this. And I was like, what are you, like, this is a brilliant show. Because in my mind, I'm like, the production's great, it's funny. It ticks all the boxes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it ticks all the boxes. You know, it's, we don't have anything in this time. So, and what I kind of came to realize at the time was the whole market was shifting. I mean, the digital space was starting to really, because um, this is about three years ago, the digital space was really starting to kick in. And the avenue, the advertising spends that these networks were getting were starting to go down. And because the, the advertising spend was starting to go into digital platforms. And so they were nervous. They were nervous to take risks. You know, they're like, this show's gonna be really expensive. And, blah, blah. and I, in my mind, I was like, I can make it cheap because I made it for 50K. But they were throwing around things like, oh, this is a $300,000 an episode show. And I was like, fire up, man, if I had $300,000, <laughs> this show would be zinging. Um, but I mean, television costs a lot of money to make because you, you know, you employ at least 30 to 50 people per episode. So, you know, you got to pay them plus crew hire and all the gear and stuff. So it could become quite expensive. So I spent about six months shopping it out, shopping it out, shopping it out. And they're all saying the same thing. Oh, and I was like, 
did I just waste like 50K of my own money? Like, what have I done here? <laughs> you know? And I kind of got pretty down and then I and then I spoke to someone and they were like, you know, you should take this online. And it's like, if the networks can't see it here, take it online. And I was like, okay. And so we basically put the, I said, what we're gonna do is we're gonna, so I spoke to one of my production mates who was helping me run it. And I was like, let's put this thing online and let's go for it. And so we produced, uh, put the pilot on, but then produced a whole bunch of new content and it just went gangbusters. I mean, over the last 12 months, we've probably had 150 million views of our content of the, of the late shift, which is phenomenal, you know, and we spent probably 600 bucks on marketing, <laughs> you know, it's all been organic and, and the views have just come in and it's just, the show's done amazing online and it's just really now opened up doors that now we're in talks again with the networks who are now like, oh, this is interesting. Because you know? you've proven um, the other side. Yeah. And I think there's yeah, a lot to take away from that. I guess you've, in terms of backing yourself and taking that risk and yeah. then not getting the ultimate outcome you want, but then changing your approach and then still finding a positive outcome from doing that. That's so smart. And I think that's something Exa that, ex exactly. that you can And you know, thing is, yeah. it's, it's scary. And like, and I, like, it's sometimes like when you hear stories like that, you kind of, you miss that, hey, there was three years <laughs> that I was hustling with this show and producing content and putting stuff out there. And that's like, out of those three years, that's every day working, waking up and going, this is my dream that I wanna do. And the one thing I've realized in life is that anyone who's achieved anything in life has had to put in the time. Like, I mean, there's always exceptions to the rule where, you know, people have an overnight sensation, but a lot of times, even when you dig into those stories, they had 15 years having an overnight sensation. To have the lucky you know, break. Like, yeah. yeah, you know, and it was 15 years of hustle and grind. And, um, you know, you listen to any business or any thought leader in the world and they'll all say, you've got to put in the time. You've got to like, it's almost like, it's a weird analogy, but it's almost like, if you were to take it back to nature, there's like the, with a farmer, there's seed time where you've got to plant the seed and then there's cultivation time where it needs to grow and then there's harvest. And, it, and I think people always want to jump to the harvest. They want to jump to the full grown product and go, yeah, but it took three years to grow uh, a corn, you know, to it's ripe to, to um, you know, be able to, Pluck it or whatever, you know, I'm not a farmer. <laughs> but I'm using I a farm I gathered, analogy. I gathered that, but I still like the analogy. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Like, uh, and it's one of those things. I can give you an alcohol analogy. Uh, <laughs> like, for example, with tequila, they have to grow the plant the, um, for such a long period of time before they can actually harvest it. There you go. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so that's that's one thing I've learned, and it's been it's been hard, man. Like, it, it, I'm not going to say it, like it's nice to kind of go, ah, oh, it's finally happening, and all that kind of stuff. But there was a lot of time. There was a lot of time with my girlfriend, like at nights, me like being really down, and she's like, you know, don't give up on it, like keep going. You know, there's been moments where I've wanted to, you know, when you get no from everyone in Australia, and and you, you you've wasted what I thought 50k of my money, and every network in Australia has gone no. You're like, that's a pretty down moment. And you're like, well, what do I do? Because at the time, that's kind of like, well, if you've got a show and no network wants it, that's it, you're done. But now with the online, and, and I would say to anyone who's trying to produce their own content, online is, it's your own network. You get a free platform. Facebook is free. Instagram is free. YouTube is free. Podcasting is free. 
it's like all of a sudden it's like it'd be like if say an NBC came to you and said we're going to let you use our platform to put, produce whatever show you want like that's what it's like now it's the whole market has shifted a, a kid in his bedroom talking about matchbox cars can have millions of views online you know because he's passionate and he makes great videos about that and that's the thing now with with the internet and technology is you can produce content any way you want and there's there will be a market for it there's like it might be a niche market or it might be a globalized huge audience but you can produce content and so for me that was the that was the breakthrough for me was to produce content online i love it so yeah yeah I'd- and uh, I saw recently you caught up with Conan O'Brien, Team Coco. Yes, yes. The he man was, he himself, was what was that like? That was, it was one of those moments, like he's been someone that I've watched, uh, I've watched probably for the last 20 years since he's been online, um, uh, on television. And I, it was funny, I remember years ago saying to myself, one day I'm gonna be on the Conan show. And I, I said it, like, it was funny, I used to work at, um, Growing up, I worked at Basket and Robbins, um, which is an ice cream store and 31 Flavors. I don't know if you've ever heard of the old Baskin. <laughs> and I used to come home. I used to finish work. Uh, this is when I was in my teen years. I used to come home from work. And at the time, I'd get home around about 10, 30, 11, and the Conan show would come on um, late night with Conan O'Brien. And it was when he was in New York. And I used to watch it every night. And I, lo- I loved the show. And I remember one day just like getting up and standing in for the bathroom mirror and like one day I would be on his show. Now let's jump forward 20 years. He's out here in Sydney. And this is this is a really interesting story because I'm a big believer in like what you put out into, you know, let's say the universe or whatever you put out, you say over your life. I, I, I feel like it comes back. I've had another friend who's done a similar thing and she got on the Ellen show, but anyway. Um, and I was, I was in Hyde Park and I knew Conan was here and I was coming to work and I saw him. I literally just saw him in Hyde Park and he was doing like a bit for his show. And I literally just walked over and I was standing. There was about 100 people, a like huge, you know, big audience around him. They were filming stuff. And I was just standing there in the back. I wasn't like being all trying to get selfie or anything like that. I was literally standing in the back of the crowd, just standing there. And a producer walked up to me and the producer was like, hey, uh, can Conan interview you? And I was like, what? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, can Conan interview you? And I was like, sure. And so I waited like five minutes and they pulled me over. And then Conan, he literally jumps on and he's, and he, the camera's on his face. And then uh, he, he basically goes, you know, folks, the thing about Australia, the men in Australia, they're hideous. Look at this guy. And the camera pans on me. <laughs> I'm like, ah! And then for the next couple of minutes, he starts taking a piss on me. But anyway, we start chatting. And, uh, and then he's like, oh, so what do you, and then he starts talking about like, I'm one of the Chris Hemsworth brothers that nobody knows about and all this kind of stuff. And then he goes, oh, actually, you know, you must do acting or something like that. Cause he starts paying, cause I've got quite white teeth. And he's like, oh, your teeth are so white and all this kind of stuff. And then he goes, oh, so what do you actually do? And I said, oh, actually I'm a TV presenter. And he goes, oh, really? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And then he goes, well, what kind of show do you host? And I said, well, actually I do a late night ho- uh, show. And he's like, what? A late night show? Really? What's it called? And I'm like, oh, it's the late shift with Nick Oliver. And he's like, he just literally turns to the camera. He's like, late shift with Nick Oliver. You have to watch this show. It's an amazing show. Blah, blah, blah. That's so, so we do cool. this interview for about for about four or five minutes and we get off. And then he's like, mate, tell me more about the show. And I don't tell him about it. And he's like, do you want me to do a plug for your show? And I was like, you don't have to, like, but I, I'd love, I'd appreciate that. And he, what just a literally, he just literally did a full plug for the show. 
And I was just like, amazing. And then he's like, these people like, oh, look, if you have come to the States, come. Um, we're gonna show, we're gonna show a, a clip from his plug here just so that we can hear <laughs> yeah. it. We'll, we'll drop um, it in, cause that is cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they're like, you know, come out when you come to, cause I'm going to LA and, and then you like, come to the show and stuff like that. But it's, it's really interesting in that moment. It was like, for me, it just was like, it was such a random moment. I, I hadn't planned it and stuff like that. but. That's when you know that you're on the right track when things, I feel for me personally, when things just start to align. And, and I find a lot of times, um, and you could take this either way, is that if you're trying to do something and it's just continuously hard, and like, I'm not talking about breaking through the wall because, you know, sometimes you have to put the grind in, but I usually find when things are continually like, no, 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 you got to reevaluate, is that the right direction for you to go? Because I've found that a lot of times when you're on the right path, it's like, the doors of opportunity just seem to open a lot easier. And I don't know what, what that is. I mean, if you're, a, if you're a religious person or if you believe in the power of the universe or whatever your stance is in life, I'm a big believer that when you're on the right direction and you, and you work hard, that opportunities will come your way. Um, I know that's very easily said because obviously we all go through <laughs> the grind and the hustle. But for me, I've just realized like, it's like took three years for things to finally start happening. But it's to me, I'm like, this for me is the, is the, the purpose and direction that I'm meant to go. Um, but yeah, not, let's try and get too deep. No, it's good. <laughs> That's just what we're all about. Yeah. That's solid. Yeah. Mm. And I think it's, and then I guess it's also preparation meeting opportunity in terms of the Conan thing was obviously a very random opportunity type thing, but you put, put in the hard work so you're in the position to say, exactly. oh, I've got a late night show. You know what I mean? And that's... Ex that's it. Exactly. And that's the thing is if I, and also so many other opportunities have opened up for me because I, I've done this, like I've, I've been able to meet a lot of great content creators here in Australia and connect with them and speak to them about content. Um, and a lot of those content creators are going to be also in our show. Um, Cause that's the one thing that for me, I was passionate about was I want to show the best musicians in Australia. I want to show the best comedians in Australia. I want to be able to showcase the best um, content creators. For me, the late shift is not, the Nick, like even though it's got my, my name in the title, but it's not the Nick Gulliver show. I want it to be the ringmaster who brings all this great uh, talent to the audience because the one thing in Australia, there's not a lot of platforms for say up and coming musicians to- To, to showcase success yeah. and talent and people who are doing the things they love and they, they want to do. There's a lot of, yeah, I agree. I think there, there yeah. needs to be more of it, so. Mm -hmm. And that's that's the whole purpose of the show for me is to show this great talent. But I had to get into the place where, you know, I could pull this thing together and work hard so that other people can now have the opportunity. So it's almost like a kind of, I guess, pay it forward type of thing. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm excited for it. And I'm excited for that. For I mean, I've met some great talent. Like I met these guys called um, Mashed and Kuchu, who are a bunch of DJs. And they're freaking brilliant, these guys. We got them on a rooftop in the middle of Circular Key. We got them to do one of their sets. Um, you can you can see it on our Facebook page, and it was it was awesome, you know. And like that kind of great talent, and and they're massive online. Like most most people, like if you were to go to record labels, might not know them, but you talk to the online community, they know who they are. They're like awesome. They drop like they do all kind of remixes and all this kind of great content. And I was like, if my show can be a platform for them, I mean, they they have a huge following anyway, but that's the kind of great talent that I love to expose to the audience. I love it. And on that note, where can we support you? What have you got um, online? What are the best, the, the best ways to jump on board and support what you're currently working on? 
Okay, so if you want to check out any of the content that we're doing, uh, go to Facebook. We're on Facebook. So it's called The Late Shift with Nick Gulliver. Um, and basically all our content's there. We've also got a YouTube page, the same, The Late Shift with Nick Gulliver. But predominantly most of our content sits in the Facebook platform because I want it to be like, I love YouTube and it's great, um, but I love to be able to share content. And we do a lot of comedy skits, um, some funny uh, piss takes. We've done like... We did a piss take on Married at First Sight, which is a show here in Australia, and we, and we relabeled it called Broed at First Sight, and it was about guys <laughs> finding their one true bros. Um, we put that we put uh, Donald Trump and uh, the leader of North Korea on The Bachelor, <laughs> put them together, and we recut this whole kind of Bachelor um, take. And so, yeah, if you want to see the content, go to the Facebook page um, and just have a laugh. That, that's what it's about, and share some content. and. Um, yeah, that's that's basically all I'm, I'm happy to plug. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Well, yeah, thank you very much for coming on. It's been inspiring oh, to mate, hear your my story. Pleasure. My pleasure. Very yeah, excited yeah, to see what mate. happens and, with and the thank you for thank you for putting together this great podcast. I mean, this is awesome, man. Like, this is there needs to be more podcasts like this that kind of pulls away the curtain and, and you know, different thought leaders uh, that are in their different areas sharing their, I guess, their gold nuggets. So thanks for, thanks for putting a great show like this together. Heaps of great takeaways today from our chat with Nick Gulliver. Watch this space. He's heading over to LA and things are about to blow up with his late night show. Hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure you share it with your friends. Subscribe, like, pump it out there and we'll see you next time.